You're listening to Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Min. And I'm Castle. And we are finally back after taking a brief Woo-hoo! hiatus this summer. And we have a lot to talk about. There's a pretty bad heat wave going on in the Southwest, and that's actually affecting the ability for airplanes to fly. So we're going to go into that and some other things, right, Castle? We are. We're also going to talk about the new potential tropical storm advisory that they've started issuing. So we'll take a look at that. And also in Orlando and Universal Studios, they have a water park, a pretty new one, and they actually have a cool way to get severe weather alerts out to people who are visiting. So we're going to talk about that and plenty more coming up next. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I was born on a storm When I get gone, I get gone And I don't need any wrong to know better Welcome back to Weather Hype. Woo. <laughs> it's been a really long time and it's felt yes. kind of weird not having to record for a little bit. When was the last episode? Was that early June or late May? Um okay, so the little tiny snippet that we gave everyone was like May 24th. Oh, so wow. It's been like 6 weeks since we've actually recorded something because oh. we recorded it like ahead of time. That's true. So, I mean, I've been away, you've been away, we've all been away, <laughs> and so now <laughs> we've all been away. We finally had a chance to kind of like get back together and uh, just not get back together. We're not, we're not together. Never mind. What? <laughs> what am I saying? Okay, so we're not together, but we're in different locations, and we are finally able to record find again. a convenient time to record podcasts together again. I think that was what I was trying to get at. Yes. Cool. <laughs> well, um, we'll give a little bit more of our life updates later, but just to let you guys know, I'm in Fire Island, New York. I am currently on in a beach house on uh, Fire Island That's in so the cool. community of Watch Hill, and I'm recording in a spare bedroom of mine that is completely empty, So, except for a few pillows that are in front of the microphone, and so there might be a little bit of echo, the voice quality might be a little weird, the audio quality, but... Uh, hopefully not too too terrible because we'll you'll have to deal with this for the rest of the summer. <laughs> and Castle, and you're I'm still in Athens, where? so okay, cool. Uh, nothing big has changed there. <laughs> I'm in a different side of my closet though, so okay, nice. You transitioned to a different corner. I did. How big is your closet? I'm still confused. I haven't seen your your house yet, your apartment. Yeah, you haven't. So I guess it's just a normal size closet, but I rearranged my room a, a little bit because I got bookcases finally to Mm. really bring out the study aspect of the study and that led me to rearrange like where the spare bed was like the guest bed and everything and so it just makes more sense for the the microphone and stuff to be on the opposite side of the closet now okay but i feel like we could both fit in this closet that's i mean that's how big it is (laughs) like you could record (laughs) on the other side is what i'm saying that is not a normal size closet then i don't really I don't think so. If my closet, I'm thinking about back at home in Georgia, is not that big. Like, so if we sat back to like not back to back, but front like our back front. against the wall of the closet, yeah, yeah, front to front, and we stretched out our legs, would our legs touch? Yes. Okay, so it's kind of small then. Yeah, but I think we could okay. both fit like a chair and like our computers and our microphones in here and record. Uh, that's what you mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now coming to you live from the closet studios <laughs> in Athens, Georgia. It's Min and Castle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. 
if anyone needs a recording studio like my closet like i can rent it out make some side money uh that's weird (laughs) (laughs) some side money why don't you just go prostitute yourself whoa whoa okay that took a turn that took a turn (laughs) wow that's really inappropriate it is um, I just, uh, working in the National Park Service right now, I actually told people about it and they're actually going to start listening. Uh-oh. So this could be the first episode. They're probably going to be like, what the heck? This is not about science at all. <laughs> Don't it worry. Is, I we, promise. We get into Keep it. listening. Keep listening. Yeah. We, we, we dive into it in a few minutes. We just kind of like to have fun since we haven't talked in a while. But um, yeah. So I guess today we're going to be moving and talking about the uh, heat wave in Arizona. Have you been keeping track of all that? We are. Uh, yes, a little bit. Not as much as I should be as a kind of a heat scholar, uh, I guess, a little bit. A I heat sh- scholar? That sounds yeah. so pretentious. <laughs> I'm a okay, heat well, scholar. As someone who did their thesis on heat, I probably okay, should be looking and observing it more, but I've been more like in my own dissertation world. So I haven't oh, been. Totally understandable. But I've been keeping up with all the mini news articles and reports on airplanes and how they're being affected and how travel's being impacted by the heat. So yeah, definitely have I stuff mean, to talk about. The temperatures out there, when I first heard about the heat wave, I was thinking, okay, like, yeah, like upper hundred and teens, like 115 to 125. Yeah, you're in the, you're in the desert, you get that kind of heat. But then I kind of thought about how the fact that it just became summer it's only in yeah, June. Correct. And I can't even imagine if this were an indication of how hot it might be continually in the summertime. I would be really, really uh, sad if I lived in that part of the country. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it was like a ridge that was building over that area that caused it to be so hot. But I know that some of the reports were showing that temperatures were up close to 130 in uh, Desert or Death Valley, California. Yeah. And then phoenix i think and tucson they're up in the uh, 118 120 degree mark yep so even for them i think what's their average temperature around this time of the year um yeah i have it let's see for today the average is 104 yeah so yeah 104 is pretty hot but if you think about how dry phoenix is yeah uh, 104 is not like too too terrible but when you start getting up to like 120 that is really unbearable for everybody and i'm sure the air conditionings are cranking out there with all that heat you know yeah it's i can't even imagine like heat like that but then at the same time i think about the people that live there and how they may be kind of underwhelming the situation because they're like oh we get this every year this is no big deal it's just it's always hot in phoenix like we expect nothing less but meanwhile there's like excessive heat warnings out and there's new colors being depicted on the heat map and oh yeah (laughs) all kinds of crazy things we love our colors don't we we do we do you know, it's interesting. Part of the study that we talked about um, a while ago that actually finally aired on the last full podcast was about looking at wet bulb globe temperature and how people throughout different parts of the country are more acclimatized to whatever mm-hmm. weather conditions they see most often. And so you would think that, you know, in the Southwest, you're more used to the heat. This shouldn't be like the biggest deal ever compared to maybe somebody who's traveling to the area. They might be um, feeling the effects of the heat even more. But like in Georgia, 
we tend to get temperatures in the uh, low to maybe the mid 90s or upper 80s but the humidity level was just so high that it makes it the heat index like 110 right. pretty much every day in the summertime but i remember a few years ago we had temperatures around 99 100 degrees for four or five six days straight and people were you know it was actually a really big deal and so even though it's just a few degrees higher than what we're used to um it was still pretty impactful people stayed inside it was people were like yeah like this heat's awful it's terrible um and just a few degrees more than what we're used to so i wonder if people in phoenix are feeling the same way like yeah mm. they're used to 104 105 when we tack on 10 15 degrees to that is it really a lot worse to them or are we just blowing it out of proportion because we're not really from there? Well, and at the same time, I think maybe these news stories about the uh, the airplanes not being able to take off or travel, it could be actually driving that maybe this is actually a serious event, something that we should take into consideration. So I wonder, that's the kind of the biggest question that I have regarding these news stories is how impactful are they? Are they kind of registering with members of the general public being like, oh, maybe this is an event we should actually take notice of and kind of uh, change our behaviors and make sure we're thinking about the heat. Or are they kind of directing the conversation away from the important things like how do you deal with extreme heat and kind of sensationalizing it as this travel-based problem? So yeah, you've kind of teased the idea that you know, airlines are being affected. So to give some of our listeners a little bit more uh, information about what's happening, uh, American Airlines, they're a big hub in the Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, and they operate a lot of regional aircraft. And I think Monday and Tuesday, they canceled about um, between 40 and 60 different flights. And the rationale was it was too hot to fly. And you're thinking, whoa, like, is the airplane itself like too hot? Will it mm-hmm. explode? Like, why are they canceling it? And it comes down to a more scientific explanation as to why they can't fly when it gets above a certain uh, temperature. So these regional airplanes and uh, airlines, they operate smaller aircraft, right? So I think that the Bombardier CRJ, that's like your typical um, regional airplane where it seats about like 50 people. It just hops to um, a bigger hub airport. They can't operate if the temperatures are above 118 degrees. And other small aircraft have the same issue as well. And I was reading some articles about it, uh, about why that might be the issue. And it comes down to the idea of lift. Yeah. And so, Castle, do you want to talk about some of those ideas real quick? Sure. So a bunch of the news articles really laid out the physics of the uplift and what it really takes for a plane to get up, get up off of the runway and why it's kind of difficult in these more extreme temperatures. And it really boils down to four big factors that affect whether a plane can get up off the ground. And that is one temperature, obviously temperature is one of them because we're talking about that right now so if the temperature is too (laughs) high then we're not going to be able to take off but the other ones that kind of impact that are the weight of the plane and this gets to where some of the smaller planes uh, why they can't really fly during extreme heat is because they cannot uh, effectively get rid of um, some of what they call payload or like some of the luggage and things on the plane. So if the plane weighs too much, then it's going to struggle lifting uh, off of the runway. Um, another factor is airport elevation. And so this impacts how high the, the airplane has to lift off from. And that's going to be another factor. And then lastly is the length of the runway. And this is a really important aspect of the problem is the length of the runway because it takes so much extra speed of the plane in order to get up off of the ground due to the uh, different air molecules based on the heat 
the length of the runway really is the biggest factor in this whole equation. Because if the runway is too short, then the plane is not going to get up enough speed in order to lift off. Um, but if it's a lot longer, like in Phoenix Sky Harbor, I think they have the longest uh, runway because of this reason, then they're going to be able to get up to enough speed in order to lift off. And I think their runway is about 7,000 feet, if I read it correctly. It's a bit longer yeah, than a mile. Yeah, that sounds right. And so all those factors combine together to the idea of lift, right? So Correct. with air molecules, you have to have a more concentration, a denser... Um, oh, man, I'm totally butchering this, I feel like. <laughs> um, but you have to have a higher concentration of air molecules. And as the airplane's picking up speed there's pressure from underneath the wing that helps to lift the airplane up. So with warmer temperatures, uh, there are, the air molecules are more scattered and um, heat expands, right? So the air molecules mm -hmm. are, there's not as much air molecules underneath the wing to exert Correct. that pressure upward on the wing to allow it to fly off. And so that was what Castle was saying, how you need the airplane to gain enough speed on a runway in order to lift off and by getting enough speed you're kind of kind of uh, counteracting the lack of um, you know air molecules that are pushing up on the wing but because like you said in other airports maybe not sky harbor but other airports if you can't have a long runway because of geographical um, limitations yeah, like, and like LaGuardia yeah they mentioned that in the video how that has a really short runway and how they may have difficulties yeah. in the future if climate were to shift enough to where they would have these extreme heat events. Yeah. So lift is like the big thing. And then other factors like temperature, runway speed, and altitude too, because the lower you are, the denser the air is. The higher you are, the more thin the air is, right? Correct. So it's really interesting to see that. And I like how this um, the PBS NewsHour article, and we'll link you to it on our website, yes. how they talk about the idea of how it's warming up, but also they link the idea of climate change too. Uh, so when you look at climate change, yes, the world is warming up and we're going to have days of pretty hot temperatures and we're going to have more heat waves. So in places that are more affected by climate change, like the desert Southwest, like, you know, Miami or something like that, um, you're going to have a lot more issues. And so in Phoenix, if you're going to have more of these warm days, the airline industry is going to have to try to keep up and mm -hmm. either use different aircraft or develop a new technology that can allow these airplanes to lift off in hotter conditions or to make the, the runway even longer than it already is. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting aspect of the video that they showed because it's bringing out like this kind of economy and things that are going to impact people on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, like trying to travel and trying to get food different places and trying to get different items, shipping packages, like all these things are going to come into play and people, they struggle with these climate change decisions and behaviors because it seems so far and distant and it doesn't seem to really impact them on a day-to-day -day basis. But then when you think about it in the context of airplanes and travel, and we're going to have to think far ahead enough in order to purchase a plane that can withstand hotter temperatures. This is going to impact how we do business in America and even like internationally and abroad. So great conversation to have, but I think it's it leads to a lot more like a lot of different conversations involving climate change. Yeah, and I think it's there's a cool little uh, analogy they use called the Goldilocks effect mm -hmm. that talks about how our society is really is functioning and able to function within a certain kind of uh, range of conditions, right? Yeah. So a lot of species have that same uh, thing. Like if, you know, in the water, a fish may be able to live at a certain 
pH level or a certain level of dissolved oxygen or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, a bird might be able to live in certain temperatures. Well, human beings are not too far off from that either because we actually have a pretty, you know, small range of perfect temperatures where we're operating, not just human beings like our bodies, but the technology that we use. Right. So if it gets really hot, you know, you're going to have more um, roads that are buckling or infrastructure is going to start uh, really paying the price. And you are already seeing that across the country, whether that's through heat and hotter temperatures or sea level rise and salt water going into roads. But um, it's something with this airport and airplane situation where we can really see how climate change is really impacting our lives. And, you know, unfortunately, it takes the idea of money and commerce to really um, get people talking and thinking. So maybe this is an, an impetus for, for people to really start analyzing the situation more, saying, okay, like, you, we're denying climate change, but how about we start talking about it? Because there are real-life situations where we're being affected right now. And you don't have to live there. You could just be flying or traveling there and be affected. If this keeps on happening, you know, how many, how much more uh, opportunities are we going to have to really try to fix the issue? We can't engineer our way out of everything, you know, it costs a lot of money. I just, I just hope that this conversation continues and doesn't die with like the, the news headline. That's like my biggest fear with all of these climate change kind of stories and impacts that we're seeing is they kind of dissolve as the news story dissolves. And then when it yeah. happens again, it, it becomes like this uproar again. So I really hope that uh, like these airport companies and aeronautic divisions and all these people are really taking this in right now as it's happening and start having these conversations both internally and externally. So we talked about heat and summertime temperatures, but another big summertime weather maker, uh, weather story, I suppose, is the, the tropics. And we had Cindy affecting the Gulf Coast this week, right? We did. I think that uh, tropical storm Cindy. I don't know what what the sustained winds on that forty miles an hour. I do not even know. I don't. To me, which is probably a good sign, the biggest story with this was the potential for flooding and the excessive rainfall that we were getting. And I think yeah. that's all that I kept seeing and getting. So I think that message was really well communicated because I don't even know if I heard wind speeds or what the sustained was. So yeah, I think that's great in itself that that's what I took away from it. Wait, what was the B name storm? I forgot. It was like uh, barely formed and went away. Was it... I want to say Brett. I don't think that's it. I think it was actually was it? maybe Brett with one T. Yes. Okay. That's what I, that's what pops into my yeah. head. I mean, these storms have formed in, but they haven't really been as big of a deal for on the grand, like the big picture scheme, I suppose. But I mean, the Panhandle of Florida, they got a ton of rain from uh, from Cindy. I mean, we've had a ton of rain here, which has been super shocking. Is um, it from Cindy? Is it, it from it is. the cold front? Well, it's from, oh, okay. we've had a stationary front, like, s that's been sitting over us for, like, the past three or four days, but then yeah. the moisture was being funneled in from Cindy, mm. and it was, like, shooting off the, the rain and thunderstorms. Gotcha. So. Well, I mean, talking about Cindy and the Hurricane Center, they're issuing a a new advisory product. Is that a good way to characterize that? They are. I think it is. It's different from like a winter weather advisory. It's more along the lines of the tropical, obviously yeah, the yeah, tropical yeah. stuff. Um, but I feel like those kind of get mixed up a bit, but those advisors are more like, this is what's coming up. This is what's next. Those get that kind of yeah. thing. 
So tell us a little bit more about this uh, potential tropical cyclone. Is that what the, the, the acronym stands for? PTC? Yes, PTC or Potential Tropical Cyclone Advisory. Booyah. Go for it. Um, so basically what they are doing is they're kind of providing detailed guidance on systems that are not yet a depression, like they're not yet tropical depression strength, but they have some sort of chance of intensifying and bringing about a tropical storm or hurricane conditions to land areas within 48 hours. That is the direct quote from the National So is it not a tropical wave? Like, you know how they do Invest 99 or whatever? Are these a replacement for Invest? I do not know. But they don't use the same naming convention as Invest because those are always like 90 through 99, correct? Yeah. yeah. These are the same as Tropical Depressions, I believe, because they oh, are the like, same number, like one yeah, through so whatever. PTC1 or PTC, PTC2. So they use oh, okay. the same naming convention as a depression. However, I'm not sure if it starts over once it becomes a depression. Gotcha. Okay. Like if it gets Can you... a new name. Can you Google that real quick? Since yes. I don't have internet, I'm really curious because I know last year we spent a lot of time um, talking about the invest and how they named the invest storm. So for those of you who don't remember that podcast episode or didn't listen to it, um, invest or what the National Hurricane Center, they look at these uh, open tropical waves out in the Atlantic or the Gulf or I believe in the, even in the Pacific Basin. And anywhere that has the potential to develop, they put an invest on it, number it. The numbers are between 90 and 99. And after, if you know it warrants it, they'll upgrade it to a tropical depression and then so on and so forth. But sometimes these invests don't always form into a, uh, a tropical system. Okay, so something that I did just find is they follow along the same naming convention as the tropical depressions. So if there is a tropical depression one, then the next one would be PTC two. So they're along the same continuum of the tropical depressions. Gotcha. Okay, cool. But I'm Googling this now and not seeing anything because apparently PTC is a popular uh, acronym. Well, it's not. uh, What do you call it? Like a stock. It's a popular stock. And so when I type in, is there a difference between invest and PTC? It says you should invest in PTC. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's not being it's not being a very accurate Google search no. right now. Well, we can figure out the answer later or, or um, tag we somebody sure on Twitter or something and ask that question. Because I'm really curious. I It might be a really obvious question, but we just don't know the answer to it. So going back to kind of the definition of PTC, Um, The National Hurricane Center says under previous longstanding NWS policy has not been permitted to issue a hurricane or tropical storm watch or warning until after a tropical cyclone has formed. So advances in forecasting over the past decade are now allowing confident prediction of tropical cyclone impacts while these systems are still in the developmental stage. For these land-threatening potential tropical cyclones, the National Hurricane Center will now issue the full suite of text, graphical, and watch warning products that previously have only been issued for ongoing tropical cyclones. So, as if that wasn't a mouthful enough. So, (laughs) how do you feel about these, the issuance of kind of this PTC, and how do you think it's different from... Like we discussed, like if you were going to guess if it was different between an invest and a PTC, how would you I feel mean, about I, them? I think this? just the wording itself is if they spell out PTC, like let's say the news, like, uh, you know, the Weather Channel or local meteorologists talked about these storms and they said, well, this is a potential tropical cyclone. 
I think that just makes more sense. Like people are like, oh, okay, I get it. Uh, and I don't know if the intended audience is more for like emergency managers or those mm. behind the scenes, but I feel like if you're conveying this information to like a general audience, I think that it makes more sense. Like an invest 99L, like just That's that, true. there's just too many, like there's numbers and letters in the, in the invest and invest isn't as like much of a intuitive word in my opinion. So I feel like this is just simplifying it even further. And the fact that you keep the number and change it, it's like a tropical depression three, you know, it moves on and keeps the same number. I think it simplifies it too. Is it like making big strides in the weather community? I'm not really sure, but I'm sure that it's an improvement over what we used to have. Uh, that I can think I can say with without a doubt. What about you? What do you think? The question that I have, the biggest question is, is this extending like the visibility of a given tropical system? And is that a good thing? What do you mean by that? So say, for example, we wouldn't hear about something until it became a tropical like cyclone or a tropical storm. So if we didn't hear about, say, tropical cyclone Cindy until it became a tropical cyclone versus now we f- we find out that tropical storm Cindy is actually PTC two, and then it becomes tropical depression three, and then it's you know what I'm saying? Like it goes through all these yeah. different stages, and therefore is more visible to say coastal residents. But then at the same time, I'm concerned whether that might extend over a long period of time, and they just gotcha. are just like, oh yeah, it's that same thing that's been coming for the last week. So. I don't know. I mean, we've we've talked about this plenty of times, but I I don't think people really care until there's a name on yeah. it like an actual name not a number because like tropical depressions yeah like okay cool and yeah a tropical depression can do a lot of damage a lot of rain especially but i don't think people really care as much if it doesn't have like oh cindy brett you know mm-hmm. so i mean that's my intuition of how i feel about it though i don't have anything to specifically back it up which i feel like i always have to say when we're dealing with research and we can't just like assume things but um just being in the world and living out here i feel like that's a lot of people we overanalyze things and we think things are happening as a as meteorologist sometimes and sometimes i think we're stuck in our own little bubble we don't take the time to think about oh like what does the common person think let's get their opinion real quick Mm -hmm. um which we'll segue into later because i have a pretty good story um but yeah that's what i'm thinking like yeah this is an improvement but are people really paying attention to it more I don't think so, but I think it's easier to communicate that this is a potentially developing chakra system, you know? Yeah. And I wonder, I think maybe once we start seeing it like in operation, it will become more clear when it's useful and like how effective it is. But based on the definition, I'm almost thinking it's more for those kind of sneak attack tropical systems where they just kind of sneak up on someone and they're like, oh, maybe we should give this a name because it's kind of sneaking up on us. And then, what do you mean by sneaking up on us? Well, like developing just, near the coast and yeah. then like coming on shore like really quickly in a yes. small pe- period of time? Okay. Yes. Okay. And so I'm wondering if that's kind of its use because they say frequently like it's very, it's land threatening, land threatening. And so that in my mind makes me think, oh, it's something that is just kind of developing really close to the coast, but then yeah. it can kind of spin up really quick and then we're not going to have time yeah. to issue anything. And then my last thought is, what would well i think you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier when you said who is the intended audience of this advisory but what would they want someone to do with this advisory what kind of protective behavior or what kind of behavioral change would they want someone to do with this advisory would they want them to prepare or 
yeah, they might take it more seriously. Like if you, like you were saying, a, a sneak attack, um, tropical system. If you have like, oh, this is a, uh, there's actually a, you know, actual name to this thing, even mm-hmm. though it's not a name name. It's a, <laughs> oh, like, oh, this is what it's affecting me, you know, as opposed to, oh, it's just thunderstorms today or showers today. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, tropical system today, you know, like that might uh, give people more of a sense of urgency, though not much, maybe just like a, an awareness, I think is important. Because in the end, yeah, like unless you get a ton of rain over you, like the Florida Panhandle. Most people, I feel like it wasn't that big of a deal. There were tornadoes, I think. There were there a were. few uh, stronger storms. But overall, it wasn't too crazy different from what can happen during the summertime. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think it's just like an awareness thing. Like, hey, FYI, you're getting hit by a tropical system um, or, you know, whatever. And yeah, it did upgrade to a tropical storm, Cindy. But the minimalist of levels of a tropical storm. So continuing on this trend of summertime hazards, I guess you could say, we talked about heat and we also talked about tropical systems. Well, this is kind of a combo of the two and it involves the new uh, Volcano Bay, I believe, water park in Orlando, Florida. Um, It's part of the Universal Studios suite of theme parks. Which are awesome. They are awesome. Um, (laughs) And we also owe this story to... Uh, our Twitter f- follower and friend Kay Esters because she sent us this and it's a really cool story. Yeah. So how many times, first of all, both sides, the whole weather aspect of it. How many times have we been to a theme park or a water park and we're waiting in line for like hours, like over an hour, hour and a half sometimes to get on a water slide or to ride a roller coaster? Well, you know, I don't think this is new, but somebody told me that they've actually been to a theme park pretty recently. Yeah, it was me. And <laughs> okay <laughs> you turd um you were saying how you've you've seen these um wristbands before and i had never heard of it before but the last time i rode i went to a theme park or a water park was well actually i went to a water park last summer in denver i didn't think about that so they didn't have them there and in 2014 i went to the uh aquatica the sea world water park in orlando they also didn't have it either but um these wristbands are really cool they're waterproof and in addition to you know, telling you like, hey, like your time is up when it starts to flash, like you can sign up to ride a ride. And then it'll tell you like 15 minutes ahead of time to go to that um, specific ride to to wait your turn. So you don't have to stay in there for like over an hour all the time. That's such a good idea. And I don't know why it took so long for water parks to finally implement that, you know, isn't that part of the fun though, waiting in line? No, (laughs) I mean, it can be, but, like, you're wasting your time and money. Like, dude, these tickets are for water parks and theme parks. They're, like, in Orlando and Universal especially, they're, like, $100. Mm-hmm. And you know how you can pay more money for an, an express pass? Yeah, yeah. Like, you get to cut everybody and go into a shorter line. You just pay, like, almost double the price of your normal ticket. I wonder if these watches are going to be a game changer. Like, do they not have express passes anymore? And then you don't have to wait as long? Because think about it. If you could just... If your, your watch goes off and you're waiting to ride the Harry Potter ride, then you just come back and you wait there for 15 minutes. Like, what's the point of paying a lot of money for an express pass, you know? Okay, well, just to clarify, since I'm the one that told you these already exist. So, in Universal, they already have these um, 
close to this. They're not in watch form. They're more of like a pager kind of deal. Okay. Um, And you have to pay extra for them. But when you walk up to each Um, ride, you're like, I want to ride this. And you schedule like a time that you want. Then they're like, come back. Um, And they give you the pager. Yeah. And so it'll go off. And you pay more for that service. You do. And so that's why I was a little hesitant when I saw this because I was like, not everyone's going to be paying for this watch. So when the storm notification goes off, you're only if you're only like targeting the rich individuals who went out of their way to afford to be notified. Yeah. Who purchased this device. Um, but I was shocked to see that every single person gets one. What yeah. Is isn't that cool though? This? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in Universal Studios, those theme parks, not everyone gets a wristband, but uh, at Volcano Bay, Correct. which is the water park side of it, everybody gets a wristband with admission, which maybe they thought about as being an ethical dilemma. They probably said, okay, if you can pay for it and get warned about the weather, yeah. then you can't pay for it. You don't get the warning. Like, that's not really fair. I it's mean, yeah, not. lifeguards will stand there and tell you like, hey, lifeguards, um, you know, tell everybody that the, the thunderstorm coming. You know, that, that happens pretty often. We've all functioned at a water park prior to these wristbands. But the fact that it flashes and tells you like, severe weather coming take shelter now um it's pretty cool and that's what we're getting with um the idea that it's on you and you can see it and it's like really relevant to you as opposed to hey i got a weather warning on my phone and i'm not really doing anything that is going to be affected by the bad weather at a water park inclement weather is a make it or break it kind of deal if you have thunderstorms you can't ride you can't do anything and so it's super important to know when that severe weather is coming and, and the audience, they're going to pay attention, right? Because they this is affecting them. But um, and I think that's like a really cool idea as well, that these wristbands are on everybody and they actually care as opposed to getting warnings and like, you're like, ugh, you know, I don't really care about this right now. Yeah. Plus your phone, like you mentioned, those are probably going to be in the locker since you're going through. Exactly. You're going through slip, slip and slides and lazy rivers i don't think and... you're going through slip and slides okay this well is the water park not your backyard okay, slides <laughs> actual slides. i haven't been to a water park in a while Here, so let's, let's bring some soap it. to the water park guys <laughs> but the questions well, that i have are oh, you always have questions i do have que- i'm a researcher i have questions all the time it's a curse you um, can just ask it you don't have to say i have a question <laughs> Okay, well, just, say, just, just jump into it. Go. So if there is a storm, how severe does it have to be in order to be notified? Is this every I'm assuming storm? lightning. Lightning. Okay, lightning. Every time you go to a water park, if there's lightning within, um, I think, 10 mile radius, they have lightning detectors at each water park that I've been to. Actually, it's probably hopefully a, a standard federal law or something, or at least maybe states have laws for that. Um, but lightning, yeah. If there's any lightning and it's a it thunderstorm, then yeah, they will let you know. Also, it mentioned in the article that they would receive other notifications on this watch besides weather. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what those are and how frequent they are. Like, if they have to evacuate the park, maybe, I assume? Well, I think based on the uh, the article, it seemed like, come try this restaurant. Da-da-da-da-da. Oh, uh, so you're talking about like a nuisance, yeah. uh, annoying kind of alert, like them telling you stuff. Yeah, and they're like, oh, the stupid thing, it went off an hour ago and wanted me to try a smoothie. I'm not looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, yeah, those could be annoying. So people may not look at it every time it like flashes or beeps or something. Um, but luckily, when you're at a water park, you're surrounded by a ton of other people who, you know, 
they will let you know probably you're like oh where's everyone going to oh we're evacuating we're seeking shelter because bad weather is coming and i'm sure they have loudspeakers and lifeguards who are also telling them the same thing too so this is like the first line of communication and they have supplementary ones in case you don't listen to the watch what a great answer and it's like you work for them no, I just have world, real, real world life experience, okay. I suppose. Next thing. How can we use this and expand it into other things? Make everyone wear a watch in the world. No, I'm thinking, like, can people get this when they walk into a football game? Like, all these different... How how can we expand See, it's on a different this? thing, though. We, we saw last year when we talked about the whole football game and people not wanting to evacuate because they don't want to give up their seat. Mm, it's not as true. pressing of a, a more immediate of a matter for people to be like, oh, a thunderstorm's coming. Let me leave the football stadium. There's a different cost benefit, I guess, like an yeah, analysis yeah. for people where they're like, water park, water, electrocution. Let me go inside <laughs> versus, oh, football stadium, aluminum seats. Also electrocution, not so much, you know, there's different ways that people see it. And honestly, I think it comes down to what we were taught when we were younger. Everybody knows that water and electricity don't mix, right? Mm -hmm. That's ingrained in your mind since you're young. And so you think about that all the time. But we never we do talk about electricity and, and metal, obviously. But for some reason, people don't think about that as much. So they think there's protection in a football stadium that's wide open, <laughs> you know, but also obviously it's not that it's more of a, I don't want to give up my seat that I've been waiting a long time for right. and a water park. Yeah. You know, you, you've been waiting probably a long time to ride those rides too, but everybody forces you out. Like the lifeguard will not let you stay there. So, um, there's different things and different ways that people see it, but I, I would love for everyone to be able to, you know, have that you know, ability to get warned in that way, but it comes down more so to how people react to that kind of stuff, not necessarily how we're communicating it, I guess. Speaking of that, you, I saw one of your tweets the other day. I don't remember what day it was, <laughs> but it was of like a street corner in New York City, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. you, the tweet mentioned that a Wii alert had just went off and you were kind of showing a glimpse in the life of a New York <laughs> socialite. Yeah. I don't yeah. not a socialite, but socialite. Okay. A New York citizen <laughs> and how they were, were how they were reacting to a severe thunderstorm warning. So do you want yeah. to kind of elaborate on that for us? No, I don't. Okay. Next question. <laughs> I have plenty, so don't tip no, me. No, no, no. Don't tip okay, me. Okay, okay. All right. So here a little bit of background. My mom and my aunts and uh my cousins came up from Georgia and they came to visit New York City. And so I drove out there or I took a train out there and I hung out with them for uh, for Monday this week. And I knew there was going to be really bad weather coming. There was a like a squall line of really nasty thunderstorms and severe thunderstorm watches and warnings. So I knew it was coming. It was supposed to hit around 4.30 or 5. So we took an Uber from our uh, where they were staying in the um, East Village. And we took it to the Macy's uh, near Times Square. And when we got to the Macy's, like in the car, rain started pounding. Lightning strikes were, were you know, striking everywhere throughout the city. And we got those alerts on your phone. A severe or a flash flood warning is what we got. Not because again we talked about it before. Right. A severe thunderstorm doesn't. They don't warn you for that on your phone, but they not warn yet. you for a tornado warning. Yeah, not yet. Um, they warn you for tornadoes and flash flooding. So we had flash flood warnings, and so when we were in our Uber, the everyone's phone went off. There was eight of us in the car, and the Uber driver he was like, "Ugh!" So he swiped it away. He's like. 
all that weather, you know? And I was like, yeah, I'm a meteorologist. This is actually pretty important. I told him that. He kind of like, oh, ha, ha, ha. you knew this was coming, huh? I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> a few minutes later, I think either they, the National Weather Service drew a new polygon over our same area or they reissued it like five minutes later because we all got alerts again. And I was like, okay, interesting. So we got alerts again and the guy was like, oh, these weather alerts, they just keep coming. We get it. Like it's storming. I was like, okay, that's interesting to see him do that. And honestly, like none of my relatives looked at their phone. There's like, oh, okay. And then they went about with their conversation. So two demographics here, people, a driver who's driving people and a Vietnamese woman. A min- like minority group, a like multicultural minority group, which is, you know, whatever. Um, two demographics here. Then we finally got to Macy's and we're outside and, you know, it's pouring down, raining, winds blowing. While we're driving around New York City, you can see like the umbrellas, like people's umbrellas are like, you know, inverting, flying away and tons of people are walking around. Some people were seeking shelter under awnings, but most people were just kind of like doing their own thing. And I think the picture I took, there was like a father and a son who were yeah. <laughs> had no weather clothes like at all. No raincoat, no umbrella, none of that. And they were affected by the severe weather, but everyone else seemed to, they had their umbrella. They were just kind of walking. No one seemed con- con- like concerned at all. And everybody was getting the Wii alert, okay? So when I went into the Macy's, people's phones were going off again for, I guess, yet another flash flood warning that was drawn. So we've talked about before plenty of times the idea that overwarning is not going to do much good, right? So unless you're seeing the flash flooding in front of you and you're being affected, it you don't really pay attention to it very much, even if you get a warning for it. In the city, there are puddles a lot. Everywhere there was some shallow, uh, shallow street flooding. But other than that, people weren't really, and they were wet, obviously, but it wasn't like a life-threatening situation to them. If anything, I think the lightning would have been the biggest threat for them. So in in the way I was looking at it, and I tweeted kind of, not really frustrated, but kind of like a, okay, guys, here's tweet, a real, hmm? It was a provocative tweet. It was, and it didn't provoke anybody. Not many people like uh, saw it, I guess. And I mean, that's the world of Twitter. Not everyone sees what you tweet. But I, I wanted to get people's feedback, and unfortunately, I wasn't able to get that. But I think we focus so much on like, oh, how are we communicating this information? Like, what better ways can we do it? And you know, kind of tinkering around with what we already do. And I think it was a reality check to see that in that situation, nobody really cared. And, you know, like their phones are ringing and we were concerned with, oh, like, what if some people don't get the alerts on their phone? Well, people who did get the alert didn't do anything anyway, you know? And so it was kind of interesting to see that we focus so much on making sure people get the information and communicating in a, in a better way, changing words that we use or, you know, things like that. When in reality, it seemed like most people don't care much at all, unless you are like, you know, knee deep in water or something. But if you're inside of a building, you're not really being affected that much, you know, unless you're maybe like driving through a rural area and there's like a stream that's flooded or something or the streets covered in water, then you might really start paying attention, you know. Um, And I was wondering to see if you had any uh, response or opinions about that. Yes. So I believe that's more of a kind of issue that we have with flooding products in general than per se 
the communication of these various hazards? Because, I mean, what do you expect someone to do when they get a flash flood warning? I was assuming people would just stay inside. Like, I didn't... I mean, when you're in New York City, it's hard. You have a ton of visitors, you have a ton of business people, and you have a ton of just regular people walking around. And so you would think, like, okay... Not it didn't even have to be a flash flood warning, just a normal thunderstorm. Like I'm not trying to get wet, I'm gonna stay inside, right? But people, even with a flash flood warning, people weren't staying inside. They're just still walking and doing their own thing, which seems to indicate that there are more important things that they cared about in that moment yeah. than getting wet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think that you just summed it up perfectly. Like they have this business meeting that they have to get to. They have a lunch with their partner that they have to get to. And all those things are more, they take priority over it raining or a little lightning. Like they're not seeing it as this tremendous hazard that we see it as. And so I agree with you that sometimes we go down this like really dark or not dark path, but we dig deep. (laughs) We dig deep in like thinking about the weather messaging and how it's being communicated and all this stuff. And sometimes we don't look back. But at the same time, I don't think we can completely flip the script either and say all the things we're doing are not important and they're not helpful when when they aren't even acting on the alert. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think this is like a locational thing? Do you think some people care about it perhaps more than others in certain areas because they don't have as many things to worry about? I, I think it's possible. But I also think, like I mentioned earlier to you, that what you saw was just like a brief glimpse into society sure. so of course. it's hard to kind of make assumptions based on what you saw but at the same time i don't think we should give up on the initiatives that we're doing in order to improve weather no, communication no i think um in in some moments of you know seemingly being frustrated you know yeah it might come off like i'm saying it's not worth doing anything about because people don't care it's definitely important to continue doing that research uh, but it's also important to see how people, like what it takes for people to really truly care. And if there's anything that we can do, I guess, differently to reach those people or convey that danger to them. Like if there was a tornado warning, would right. people be acting differently versus a flash flood warning on their right. phone? Um, because I've like, yeah, this is in New York City that I saw this, but I see it everywhere. I saw it in Denver, another pretty big city. Um, I've seen it in Savannah, a medium-sized city. I'm not sure about rural areas or not, but, you know, even meteorologists, like my professor from ECU, he was saying that he got a flash flood warning one time when he was driving and he didn't think anything of it, but then he looked ahead of him and saw like a lot of water. So he took the exit. Um, so then he saw that the water was going over the road. Then he actually took, you know, precaution based on that. So that's pretty interesting that he only saw physically saw something and then he took action as opposed to listening to the um, alert on his phone. And I mean, that is that's usually what happens. People seek confirmation in order to figure out, is this something that is actually happening, something that I should act on? But I think what you said really drives at home is were were they in danger at all? Were the people in the street in New York City in danger besides the lightning? Were they in danger of a flood whooshing down the street? (laughs) <laughs> and the and their answer to that is no. And so it's like a dangerous situation to be in if you have to see something in order to believe it. Cause, and that goes back to when there are tornadoes you see on TV when they have the helicopters showing the image of a tornado. People are more willing to you know take shelter when they see visual confirmation of the Correct. danger itself. Right. So, but does it always have to be a visual that shows you? No. You know, like, is that something we have to do? And that was something they toggled around with, was putting visuals in those um, wireless emergency alert 
systems, right? Correct. Like here's a picture of something, you know, take action and people hopefully will listen to it more. It was the idea. Yeah, I actually wrote a paper on that the other day. They included a map in the WIA alert. It was just a like a map though? Yeah, a map. Oh yeah, I think they were talking about that. It was I mean it was it was just like an experiment and it wasn't like operational or anything, but they were just seeing how people would react differently based on a map and they gotcha. tweaked a few things like here's where you're actually located and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, gotcha. But I think to wrap this part up, I think it is kind of an issue with the flooding products in like in particular because they go off so often and most of the time we don't need to react because we don't live near a river or a stream. And so I think hopefully with the consolidation of flood products coming up, which I think we should probably dedicate a episode to kind of explaining what that is and what is actually going to happen with that. I think hopefully that will move towards solving some of those issues. So, uh, Castle, how's the rest of your life? I know you gave us a little bit of a tidbit about you being in Georgia right now. Um, you recently went to Texas, right? I did. I just got back last week. Um, I went to Austin, Texas to visit some family that lives out there. And it was awesome. Not much to report. We just hung by the pool and played board games um, and just had nice family time. So I didn't really explore much. I'm saving that for AMS. Um, when I'll get to explore downtown Austin. Hey, so, yeah. nice. What about you? <laughs> you mentioned you're in New York, so. Yeah, so I'm on Fire Island, which is an hour and a half east of New York City itself. And I have to take a ferry back and forth every morning to go to work, which is pretty cool. I work in Patchog, which is a city with about 20,000 people, I think. That's where the Fire Island National Seashore headquarters is. And um, I'm helping to develop a kind of a science and climate change communication network between our park and other northeastern region parks like Cape Cod, um, Gateway National Recreational Area, and um, Assateague in Maryland as well. So kind of getting us all on board with the same idea of communicating science information with different research projects that are happening in our parks, different issues that we face, and then just getting that information out to people so they have a better understanding of how science is a really pivotal part of the National Park Service. And it's a lot of fun so far. Um, And living on an island is pretty interesting. Like I said, there's no internet out here. Um, and things are pretty bare bones, but it's a really cool way to kind of unwind and not really worry about the complicated social media stuff that you have to deal with all the time. And it's nice to kind of just not have to deal with people, if that makes any sense, (laughs) you know? No, Um, I totally understand. But there's a, it was funny. The first week I lived here, I left my windows open to like, you know, get the breeze flowing through the house and through my room. And I thought I had a window screen in the window and apparently I didn't. So one of the, um, one of our neighbors, he like texted one of my, uh, co-workers in the office and was like yo so uh somebody left the window open to house number nine and uh there was there was swallow birds that are flying through it <gasps> oh no and so there are birds flying through my house and i was like freaking out because like there's closet space but my clothes are kind of all over my room like not really covered up and then my bed is like out there and a bunch of my podcast stuff is just sitting out so i was like oh my god this bird's gonna like attack my microphone it's gonna like eat my clothes and poop everywhere <laughs> um so i came back with my roommate and yeah there were birds they weren't in here they already left 
but they pooped in the house in some places like on the couch in the kitchen but the bird was like very nice and did not poop anywhere in my room not a single like turd dropping in my room at all yeah so i was like okay bird i see you like i appreciate the thought but like it came in and and left through my window so i don't know why i didn't poop in my room it would have been a clear like obvious choice but um there was even poop on the wall which i don't know if that means that like it flew and pooped and like just like splattered on the wall and in a, in, or hit the wall when it pooped. I don't know. Um, we have a huge mosquito and tick population here. Um, I didn't realize that <laughs> Lyme disease of all the occurrences of Lyme disease in the country. I think like 80 to 90 percent of Lyme disease events happen in the Northeast. Isn't that crazy? Yep, I did know that. I saw a map once that someone made. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. I knew it was a big deal, but I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. So we have to spray ourselves down and make sure we don't We have to check our bodies every day for ticks in case we get Lyme disease from the uh, the deer tick and other types of ticks as well. So that's like kind of a concern and we have to be really careful about that. And also like the mosquito borne viruses like West Nile. Um, but it's really cool Zika. though, because like from my room, I can see the bay, the Great South Bay, which separates Long Island and Fire Island. And I can also see the Atlantic Ocean on the other side of my room. The sun rises at a uh, really early 4:30 in the morning. So I normally wake up cuz the lights God, like it's so early. Yeah, I know, it's insane. Um and then I normally wake up around 6:30 or 7 o'clock to go to work and then take the ferry over um and whatnot, but the island lifestyle is pretty cool and I like this area a lot even though I feel like I'm more of a mountain person than a beach person, but I'm really loving it so far. So, it's different change of pace i think even though yeah technically i've lived along the coast for most of my life um this is different you get to go on an island and uh, take a ferry and stuff like that so i have another uh, about two a little bit over two months left so i'm gonna make the most of it for sure um if you or anybody listening wants to come visit me there are spare rooms that you can stay in apparently <laughs> so <laughs> just gotta pay for transit but you got a place to stay so and you know like since there is no internet out here uh i have to try to go to the internet at the library and stuff like that so i went to the library today and downloaded some new songs so i guess that's a nice segue into uh song of the week so castle what is your song of the week this week? My song of the week is called I Like Me Better by Love, L-A-U-V. Yeah. I don't know how you, you say that. That's, <laughs> that's not Dwey Lipa. <laughs> Dwey Lipa. Uh, she has a new album out, by the way. It's pretty oh, good. Cool. Um, but this song, I Like Me Better, I think it just has a really good message. And it's also pretty upbeat. It's basically like saying when this guy is in a relationship that person brings out the best in him as well. So, okay. Because he likes me better when I'm with you. Okay, so I, overall, it's just a really good song, and you should check it yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like so, it a lot. So we'll obviously put it on our little Spotify playlist, right? Obviously. <laughs> okay, so what about you? What is your song like? Um, I think we had a song by Stephen Rabel a few episodes ago. We did. And it's a little bit by of a you. dated song. I've heard it for about a month and a half now, but since we haven't really recorded, I haven't really been able to share it um ditto there's been so many good songs i know i have so many other songs that i'm so excited to share with everybody but one song per podcast for the most part um but stephen rabel his song is we could be beautiful and it's just a nice little message it kind of reminds me of the um the one direction song that's what makes you beautiful when somebody doesn't realize that they're beautiful and until they really love themselves then they can't really open up to other people and I think that's something that I think about sometimes too. So true. Where, you know, I need to stop throwing a pity party for myself and, and be like, you know, I'm an awesome person and, and whatever comes will happen. But this song has that same kind of message too. This is the song that I sent you 
over Facebook message, right? Like yeah, yeah. Two months ago. And you were like, yeah, I've already heard that. Yep. <laughs> I will totally okay. do shit about it. Because I like the song. It's, I get I got territorial over it. I was like, um, yeah. He's he's Well, I was just saying, I just messaged you and I was like, this sounds like a song you would like. And I was like, and you were like, Yep. I already say, I already heard it. Yep. Period. Yep. <laughs> well, yep. I was informing you about Stephen Rabel, about all the different information I've heard about him. You were um, informing me is a great word. Because <laughs> <laughs> Ten Feet Tall is the song that he did with Afrojack a, a few years ago, like th- four or five years ago. And he was kind of coming on the scene. And now he has a bunch of other songs out too, like uh, 11 Blocks, right? That's one song. And then yeah. Ritual is a song he does with Marshmallow another DJ guy and rich, uh, another one I forgot too, but he's, he's doing a lot of good stuff and I really like his songs. Oh, bloodstain is another song that he did as well. Mm. So he has a, quite a repertoire of, of music that I, uh, really dig. And so, um, yeah, please check that song out. It's quite refreshing and it's good to hear and makes you feel happy. It makes you love yourself a little more. Both of our songs are so upbeat and positive messages. I mean, fake it till you make it. <sighs> Uh, but anyway yes life is pretty good okay right now speaking of uh guys singing have you (laughs) you you probably you probably don't have a tv do you do you have a tv out there in your beach house no i don't i didn't think so so there is this new show that premiered this week called boy band oh i heard about that (laughs) i heard a radio commercial about it what channel does it call me abc or nbc it comes on abc abc and I watched it, and I don't know if you want a, a quick lowdown. Is, it, it, was is like. it worth watching? Is it kind of cool or no? It's both. So it's both really awkward and really awesome at the same time. So there are some people that are really good singers, but then there are other people that are not. And like as soon as they open their mouth, you can like it pans to the judges, and they're like shaking their head like heck no. But then they continue singing for two minutes, and it's like so awkward Ooh. because you're like this should be over by now so is it kind of like on like the x factor where simon cowell will like put bands together based on who he thinks will be will mesh well together or are they boy bands that audition together already no so they're individuals and then the judges decide who should be put together okay into a boy band but the thing that i think it needs is that I think each judge should have their own boy band that they form. Yeah. Kind of like a little bit of the voice. No, it's almost, it's all three judges come together and they're like, these people are going to be in one group. These people are going to be in one group. Are all judges in past boy bands? Um, All of, I don't think, was Timberland? He wasn't in a boy band. Timberland is a judge? What? Yeah, Timberland is a judge. (laughs) Okay, so it's Nick Carter from Backstreet Boys. uh, Baby Spice from the Spice Girls. Okay. And t- Timberland. That's weird. They always have to have a one white guy, one white girl, and a black guy. This is like American Idol. And they, all over they're again. sitting in this. They're sitting in the like same Ra- arrangement. You know, Randy always sat. <laughs> yeah, Randy always sat to the right. That's where Timberland sits. Oh my god. Paula was always in the middle. Yeah, th- this has to be like some kind of like psychology of like reality TV shows. I know it's like a formula, but I think it. I'm gonna continue watching. I okay. was. It was almost one of those shows where it. it I didn't have to think a lot. It was just enjoyable. I mean, do you really have to think a lot on the reality TV shows you watch, like Bachelor and stuff? Uh, I mean, I mean, I think I think a lot when I watch those shows. <laughs> I know you think a lot of when you watch Big Brother. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to watch it this year because I don't have access to it because oh. I gave up cable. Mm, that's right. But anyway, if any other people are watching Boy Band, maybe we can get men to watch it. How am I going to watch it? No, I'm going to watch it at the library. <laughs> I work and then I go home. I don't have internet after I go home. <laughs> 
You can go to the library and watch it. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't think they have TVs <laughs> at the library. Like, I might. You can watch it on your computer. I watch like YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, I can watch. I was, well, you know, the ferry leaves at a certain time. If I don't get back by the ferry, I can't get home. <laughs> okay. Well, how about this? I will put up a YouTube link of one of the boy band's performances, and you can at least watch that. Okay. It's four minutes. Long. All right. I'll I will do that at least for you. Also, the names of the boy bands are so terrible. What boy band name is good? Which get, I, I think NSYNC was good. Backstreet Boys is good. That's so they're so cheesy. New though. Kids on the Block is good. NSYNC. Okay. Like, but listen to these names. Just let me break it down. Okay, one of them is called Six Track. Oh my god, are we trying to go with the whole Fifth Harmony kind of vibe? Yeah, exactly. There's six of them, so they're like six like track. Like eight track and tape, then but six track. One of them. It's really lame. <laughs> six track. Yeah, one of them is called Uplift. Is that why you said Uplift earlier instead of Lift? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uplift. Oh, was Downdraft. Yeah, I didn't even... Maybe they should have called it Updraft. And, and then the last group, which is the best name, is Reverb. Reverb? But, Wow, yeah. that's like from The Flash. If anybody of y'all watched The Flash on CW, Reverb? yeah, you you guys will know about. Oh, is it like a villain? Kind of, yeah. He's like a doppelganger guy. Interesting. Reverb. Mm. Why do they call it reverb? Because you know when you sing, there's like a reverb. No, it's like the echo. That oh, happens. that's what. Oh, like reverberation. Oh, yeah. so it's just short for reverberation. Oh, yeah. most people just say reverb though. Oh, I thought it was they called. I thought it was called feedback. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just another oh, okay. name for so it. So they sing so terribly is that like there's good... like reverb and feedback. Like that's... I don't know. I haven't heard them. I haven't. They only one of the only uplift performed the, on Thursday. Okay. So next week we get to hear the other. And two. this show is only for the summertime, right? Like it's not going to last like Correct. forever. So it's like a short little Correct. like hey, okay, gotcha. But we're supposed to have a boy band at the end of it, which I'm kind of excited about. Interesting. Well, I mean, One Direction's gone. Might as well replace him with somebody else, right? I know. But the good thing about One Direction being gone is there's so many good songs out now by the Are they, though? Harry Styles? I'm not a fan of his songs. (gasps) His whole whole album is so good. He'll be all right. Such a good song. Yeah, no, not a fan. (laughs) Okay, never talking to you again. Yeah, you will. This podcast will be hard to to do alone, but I'll manage. You're listening to other hype. I'm in. (laughs) <laughs> on this episode <laughs> no if we if we break up then you can just have a podcast called weather and i'll have a podcast called hype mine the, okay that's weird <laughs> well we did talk about like expanding the um our what we're doing with weather we hype did. in the future right our like production studio <laughs> yeah we're gonna jo- make bigger closets to, to record in um yeah. but no i mean weather hype studios we, we toggled around with the idea of not just only talking about weather, but like current events, things that we're we're also passionate about. We both share a lot of different yeah, passions, reality right? shows. Yeah, yeah, anything. So, I mean, it could be an anything type of podcast. It might be hard for people to reach to reach mm-hmm. them because if you have an anything kind of podcast, it's not really um, subject specific, which might lose people. But well, I think what I've seen other podcasts do, which I think could be really could potentially work for us, is they do these kind of side uh projects but they do them within the same stream as their podcast yeah like so basically like every like every three weeks or something i could have like a reality show 
like podcast where I have a guest on and we talk about reality yeah. shows, but it would be within the stream of weather hype and then people could listen to it if they wanted to yeah. or not. And that's the thing and that we talked about as well, that if we had the umbrella podcast, it would need to be mm-hmm. more general than weather only because weather hype would essentially be Correct. a side stream of the main one. So Correct. We'll, we'll play around with the idea and, and a lot of hype <laughs> reality hype. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, current event hype. Okay, no. <laughs> that's, that's... Welcome to Current Event Hype, a podcast that talk about delves events. into the current events. Yeah, that's not a very well talked about, well thought out <laughs> title, but we'll work on it. So um, I guess I'll wrap it up real quick. You can find us in a variety yes. of places, including weatherhype.com. Uh, no, weatherhypepodcast.com. No. <laughs> it's been so long. Um, weatherhypepodcast.com or facebook.com slash weatherhype. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words, weather and hype, or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. We love reviews, and I'm not sure that we've had too many recently, but feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite uh, podcast app so you can... uh, do that as well show us some love um also we're going to be putting together kind of our new lineup for the rest of this year so if you have any suggestions or things that you would like to listen to or to talk about yes. then shoot us an email and let us yep, know sounds great so until next time until next time stay hyped stay hyped Oh my god, this bird is so annoying. Why don't you just go outside and scare it away? That's not how it works. Throw a rock at it. Alright, let me try something. Go away, bird! Oh, I hear it. <laughs> go away! Ah! Throw something at it. See? Didn't work. I threw a rock at a woodpecker the other day and it flew away. Oh, I heard that. Oh, it worked. <laughs> You're welcome.